going to go to James chapter 4 with me this morning. James chapter 4. James says in chapter 4 and verse 1, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? And we say, certainly not. I mean, I'm right and you're wrong. It couldn't possibly be that I'm wrong. It couldn't possibly be that that my passions are at war within me. You must be thinking of someone else. But, says God's word, no, I'm talking to you. And I think we have to learn to admit that a large part of overcoming our quarrels, a large part of overcoming our disputes and disagreements with one another, as we've been hearing from James, is learning to start with our own hearts, learning to start with ourselves. Instead of pointing the fingers elsewhere, learning to deal with our own passions, which are at war within us. And we've got to take seriously the likelihood that a large part of our fighting and quarreling with one another, when that occurs, can be blamed on the fact that we are far too easily given to the passions that war within us. And you, we, we yield to those far too quickly. In other words, we give in to selfishness. Now, we come to verses 11 and 12, and James has another challenge for believers here, and this is for believers. This is a challenge to those who have said, I trust in Christ, I'm a child of God, I believe in God's word, and James says, if you believe in God's word, you need to hear this. We come to verses 11 and 12, and James has another serious challenge for us here about our relationships with one another. And this challenge also has to do with being selfish. And because of the truth revealed in verse 1, we need to hear this admonition in verses 11 and 12. Because there are passions that wage war within, we need to listen carefully when we come to verses 11 and 12, as I hope we've been listening carefully between 1 and 11, right? Listen to verses 11 and 12. Follow along with me in your copy of God's Word as I read. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one, only, there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, what is James talking about here when he says in verse 11, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And I think we need to be careful here because we, we move on into this passage and we see, see him say, saying, do not judge, right? And we quickly begin to think, if we're not careful, judge not, right? You know the rest. Judge not that you be not judged. And I think we need to be careful here because what is James talking about when he says, do not speak evil against another 
another brother? Is he talking about not being careful, about being discerning about whether people are speaking the truth of the gospel? And, and that's what the challenge is. Is We go back to Matthew 7 where we hear that judge not, that you be not judged. If you keep reading in Matthew 7, you're going to find in Matthew 7 the challenge to believers to be very careful and diligent not to be be duped by false teachers and so obviously you must be a good judge of whether or not someone's speaking the truth and that's what that challenge is so we need to be really careful we don't go with that common theme judge not that we be that you be not judged when you come to a passage like this it's it's healthy and important to say what is he talking about when he talks about do not speak evil against another brothers what kind of evil is he talking about now James is clearly speaking of the kind of talk that's totally wrong. (laughs) You know what gives me that impression? Because he calls it evil. (laughs) It's wrong. It's totally wrong. Whatever he's talking about is totally wrong. And it bears repeating here that James has been challenging us with the use of our tongues, right? We heard it earlier back in chapter 3 when James reminded us that the unbridled tongue can do can do great damage, can do great harm, great damage to others, great harm to our relationships. He warned, using these words, back in chapter 3 and verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. And here again, he's talking about the damage that we can do with our tongues if we don't bridle them. Now, how does the believer bridle his tongue because James also said (laughs) you can't tame the tongue and so we go "Uh uh-oh what do we do now if we can't tame the tongue how do we do it well we can tame the tongue with God's word remember back in chapter 3 when we talked about this taming of the tongue we said you and I cannot do this in and of our own strength right We can only do this, how? By the Holy Spirit's work in us and by the Word of God at work in us. When we take steps to obey God's Word with the power of the Holy Spirit working us, enabling us to say no to the the wrong kind of speech that we speak, that we're tempted to speak. Now, what kind of evil is James speaking of here with this reminder that we're talking about the serious challenge of taming our own tongues. What kind of evil talk is James speaking of? And again, this hope is ours as followers of Christ, with Christ in us, with God's word as our guide, with the Holy Spirit directing us. We can do this. We can stop doing what James is challenging us to stop doing. Believers can do this. What is he talking about? I believe he's talking about fault-finding. I think he's talking about criticism. Do you agree with me that it's pretty easy to fault-find? It's pretty easy to criticize? I think that's what he's talking about here. This is something that, that God's people can quickly justify if we're not careful. We can quickly find ourselves fault-finding other believers and criticizing other believers if we're not very cautious. It's again why James says the tongue is a fire because this kind of talk is dangerous. And what he is not speaking of is being rude to or mean toward others. That certainly is wrong. 
But he's not talking about being rude to others. He's not talking about being mean to others. That is certainly wrong, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about speaking wrongly about others. He's not speaking, he's not talking about speaking wrongly to others, although we can do this to someone else. We can criticize someone else to their face wrongly. We can wrongly accuse others to their face, but more often than not, you know how this happens? This goes on behind the other person's back. This is not, this is not to their face very, very often. He's talking about speaking wrongly about others. He's not speaking, talking about speaking wrongly to others, although that is certainly wrong. What James is challenging us here with is that we have got to be very careful that we don't easily and quickly justify criticizing others unfavorably. He's talking about criticizing not to help, but criticizing to harm or criticizing to make oneself feel better and someone else look worse. And I say, I say that it's possible for us to, to criticize to help, but there is a very, very fine line between criticizing to help and criticizing to harm. What I would suggest is that there's a very fine line between criticizing to help someone, and we need to be really careful with that. And that's, I would suggest the only way to criticize to help is, is one-on-one, face-to-face with the other person, and we lovingly and gently are saying, Here's, I, see, I see a red flag, if something concerns me about, about what you're doing, and according to God's word, I want to help you, I want to show love to you. And so that's something we would do very, very cautiously. I think it's going to be really hard for us to criticize and help if we're not really very careful to be led by God's word and by God's grace and mercy toward us. So I'd suggest that there's a very fine line here between criticizing to help and criticizing unfavorably to harm. Of course, we would always say, if I took a show of hands, I think we would always say, I, I never criticize to harm. I always criticize to help. If, you know, word of my opinion ever gets back to that person, maybe it'll help them. <laughs> right? I never criticize to harm, we would say, but obviously that's not what the Bible says here, is it? God's word is very firm with us. Again, James doesn't beat around the bush. James is challenging us as being sinful when we speak evil against one another, when we criticize one another, when we ridicule one another. And this is often done behind the other person's back. Again, I say we've got to be very careful that we guard ourselves against this. It it can be to the other person's face, but you know what? It often occurs is when we, we talk about other people in in unkind ways behind their back. So it says James here, do you want to resolve your differences? Do you want to be at peace with each other? Do you, do you long to overcome your conflicts with one another? And I trust that we see the wisdom in overcoming conflicts and not being a part of them and not making those our, our normal everyday way of living. I'm hoping that we side with God in this and we say, no, I want to be done with conflicts. I don't want to speak evil of others. I don't want others speaking evil of me. So says James, if you want to resolve your differences and overcome conflicts with one another, then you've got to stop speaking evil 
about one another, against one another. Stop criticizing unjustly. And again, more often than not, that's what our criticism of one another is. It is sinful. It is unjust speech about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is harmful to one another. It's harmful in our own spiritual lives. And it harms God's church and our testimony in the community. And says James, we've got to stop it. He wrote to the church saying, stop this. You cannot be found doing this and honoring the Lord at the same time. And here's why this is so harmful. And again, it's not only harmful to our relationships, but it's also harmful to our own spiritual lives. This is harmful because when we speak evil of others, it's likely we're speaking evil of others because we've been paying closer attention to their lives than we have our own. That's one of the challenges of the Matthew 7 passage that I mentioned earlier. We often use that passage, and we often use that passage when we don't want anyone else pointing out our sins. (laughs) Judge not that you be not judged, right? But the Matthew 7 passage goes on to say in verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? so we speak evil of others because we, we have likely stopped dealing seriously with our own sins. We have likely become people who have a log in our eyes that we can't see any longer because we're ignoring it. And we only find ourselves looking for the speck in our brother's eye. Now why do we give so much attention to the lives of others while ignoring our own sin? Well, often it's so that we can make ourselves feel better about our own sin, or we can in some way excuse our own sins. If we can elevate the sins of the people around us, then maybe I can salve my conscience about my own sinfulness. So there's the danger of ignoring our own sins that's exposed by our sinful and unjustly critical talk about others. But there's another danger exposed by our speaking evil of others. There's the danger of overlooking our sinfulness and the speed with which we're prone to sin and quickly look the other way. We become desensitized to our own sins and overly sensitive to the sins of others. And that is a critical danger. We need to look at our own lives. Examine yourselves, says God's word. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. God's word takes a serious view of dealing with your own sins, does it not? I shared these passages with our men yesterday morning at the men's breakfast. Romans 8.13 gives this solemn warning to believers. For if you live according to the flesh, and that is, if you live sinfully, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, there is great hope in taking very seriously our own sins. It's pretty easy for us to take pretty seriously the other uh, sins of others, isn't it? Uh, we see them and we say, shame on them. How dare they do that? that? That's not right. We need justice here, right? And then we quickly dismiss our own sins. And God's word says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if you live by the Spirit, if you living by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you're going to live. So there's a kind of spiritual stagnation. There's a kind of spiritual death that accompanies a a willingness to ignore one's own sins. And that is dangerous spiritual territory. And so we must be more serious about killing our own sins than with looking for and exposing the the world of sins around us or the sins in our in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. James says, put to death. Put to death this kind of talk. Be done with this. Stop this. Don't do this. You need to look at your own heart first. You need to look at your own life first. Don't you know, verse 1, that you have passions at war within you? Now, he's not suggesting that we ignore ignore sins in the lives of one another when we can help and encourage and point to the truth and admonish when need be and, and help bring people back to the truth. But we had better be very careful that we don't find ourselves being people who ignore our own sins while making a mountain out of the sins of others. Put to death the deeds of the body. That's taking serious one's own sin, we hear from Romans 8.13. And Colossians 3.5 is much like this when it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Again, that's sinfulness. We talked recently here from James about being worldly, and that is being, being willing to be controlled by our own fleshly desires and pursuits. The passage in Colossians 3.5 goes on to explain and give some ideas just in case we don't understand. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And and that's just a beginning of the things that, that beset us from God's word and bringing glory to God when we don't get serious about killing our own sins. What is earthly in you? That's sinful deeds. That's gratifying, selfish, sinful desires. Put that to death, says God's word. Be done with those sins, says God's word. Put them off. Put them away. Do not give those sins any food, water, or daylight. Starve them to death. And that's all about dealing with our own sins looking at our own hearts first, not hunting down and killing and starving to death the sins of others. That's talking about dealing with our own sins. But there's something even more serious, according to James, and that is when we speak evil of others, we're taking the place of God. We're taking God's place when we speak evil of others. So James shows us why We should not judge others by warning us that we're putting ourselves in God's place when we do this, a place that certainly is not ours to take. Not only that, says James, speaking evil of others is making yourself a judge over God's law. You take God's place and you make yourself higher than God's law. That's the second thing we've got to guard against. We've got to stop that. And that's just the opposite of what James has been challenging believers to do that we have seen here in this letter. He's been challenging challenging believers to do this with God's law. Do what? Think about it. As followers of Christ, are we above God's law? No. James says we're to be doers of the word. 
But be doers of the word and not hearers only, says James earlier back in chapter 1 and verse 22. That means we're to be people who see God's word as being authoritative for our own lives. And we submit ourselves to God's truth. And we walk in God's truth. And we seek to obey God's truth. We're doers of the word. And we are not to be hearers only, says James. That's what we're supposed to do. But instead... What we end up doing often is taking God's place. We take God's place as judge and we criticize one another with sinful, unjust words. And by doing so, we put ourselves above God's law. And there is no one here today who is above God's law. There is no one on earth who is above God's law. That's what we're hearing James say here in verse 11. Look at verse 11 again. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And this is destructive not only to our relationships, but also to our own spiritual lives. Because by doing this, We've told ourselves that God's law only applies to others and not us. But James tells us back in chapter 1 that the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Think of what we forfeit when we speak evil against one another. We forfeit God's blessing. We forfeit God's rich blessings by passing judgment on others, by speaking evil of them. And we forfeit God's rich blessings by refusing to be one who obeys God's word. Instead, making ourselves out as those who are above God's law. And when we disobey God's law, we're, we're ignoring what we learned back in James 2 and verse 8, where we're encouraged, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you know the royal law? James says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. If you fulfill that royal law, you're doing well. That's a good thing. Apply this royal law to our passage today. You shall love your neighbors yourself. And we'd have to say, no, 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 no. Uh, We really don't like anyone else speaking evil of us. (laughs) Loving my neighbor like I love myself already, I would want my neighbor to speak well of me. I don't want them saying anything evil about me. But we cannot say we're truly obeying God's word, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, while at the same time speaking evil of them, can we? So, says God's word, instead of speaking evil of others, what are we to do? What are we to do? We are to edify one another. We are to build up and encourage one another. That's what God's word teaches believers to do. Instead of tearing one another down with our evil words, we're to build one another up. What are we to do? We're to build one another, one another up. We, we must stop making ourselves judges over God's law 
And we must start submitting to God's authority, submitting to God's word, and do so by encouraging and loving others with the way we speak of them and the way we speak to them. We need to submit ourselves to God's law. We are not above God's law. And we must put ourselves under God's law willingly. Note how James points to God's authority. Look at verse 12 again. When he says in verse 12, and this is a serious reminder to us, when we're tempted to speak evil of others, James says in verse 12, There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? He's talking about sinfully judging others, speaking wrongly of others. Who are you to do that? God is the lawgiver, not you, not me. So we've got to remind ourselves, there is one lawgiver and I'm not him. (laughs) Right? There is one lawgiver and I've got his word in my hands. God is the first and the final authority. He is the one who is able to save and to destroy. Not me. I mean, think about it. Think of God's authority. He's the one who gives life, and He's the one who takes life. He's the one who gives life. He is the one lawgiver and judge. He is the first and final authority. He is able to save and to destroy. That's not our strength. That's not our ability, is it? Not as God does. And so we must submit to the one lawgiver. There's a solemn challenge to us here when we tend to ignore God's word and place the constraints of God's word instead of on our own lives, we place them on other people's lives. There's a serious challenge here for us to make sure we submit to the one lawgiver and we submit to his word and law. We must submit to his word if we long to be blessed by God. We must submit to his word if we long to have peace in our relationships. The danger, though, in speaking evil of one another is that we not only make ourselves higher than the law, we make ourselves higher than the lawgiver. We not only dismiss the law, but we dismiss the one who gives it. And reminder, he's able to save and to destroy, not us. And when we do this, our real problem is pride that's out of control. Pride. That's lost control. Pride in our relationships with one another and even pride in our relationship toward God. It will stunt our spiritual growth. It will destroy our relationships. It will will cripple God's church, our testimony in this community, if we don't get this right. Who are we to make ourselves out as better than God when, when he commands that we love one another? But who are you to judge your neighbor, says James? So there is one right way to fight this pride in our own lives. I've told you what it is. There's one right way to fight this pride in our lives, to win over this pride in our lives. It is that we submit to God and his word. 
We submit to God's authority and his authoritative word. You see, God is the one who deserves our worship. He is the one who deserves our respect. And he commands our obedience. And he deserves our obedience. And when he, we give him those things, we will also be looking to his word for the sake of our own reverent obedience toward God, that we would inform our obedience with his word, because God is the author and giver of life. He is the authority in all things, and his word is authoritative in our lives. And the submissive believer wants to please his master, And the submissive believer knows that to please the Lord means to know him. And the submissive believer best knows his Lord and God when he puts himself under and into God's word. The world we live in is rejecting God's word. Watch the news, right? Look at our society. Look at our culture. Look at our political leaders. Left and right, our culture says, be done with God's word. But God calls to believers and says says to us, if you want right relationships, you can't afford to throw out God's word. You must submerse yourself in the truths of God's word. You must humble yourself before the lawgiver, and you must humble yourself before his law. It is, after all, as we heard earlier, the perfect law. (laughs) It's perfect because it gives life, and it brings God blessing. The law of liberty because it frees us from sin and sends punishment. And the one who perseveres, being no hearer only who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed by God. There is blessing in obedience. And there is joy and peace and fellowship in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ when we refuse to speak evil against one another. May it be your prayer, may it be my prayer today, and always that you and I would submit to the lawgiver and submit to his word. This is where we struggle. Ultimately, this is our real problem. We rebel against God. We we rebel against his word when we ignore it, and we take the constraints of the word and place them on others, all the time ignoring our own lives. Being no hearer only, refusing to speak evil of one another, knowing that when we honor and obey the Lord in this, we will be blessed in our doing and a blessing to others. I I hope that's your prayer. God, help me to be submissive to you, the giver of life, the the one who gives the perfect law of liberty, Oh, God, help me to submit to you and you alone and help me to use your word in my own life that I might be a blessing to others and that I might enjoy your blessing. God's word is so good, isn't it? To challenge us in our relationships, to point to us and say, you, you need to deal with you. Look at your own heart, says James. Be careful with your words, says James, inspired by God. God speaks through James and his word to challenge us right where we live. And if we want relationships that bring great glory and honor to God and great blessing to others and God's blessing into our own lives, we must submit to the lawgiver and we must submit to his law and not take it lightly.
Let's pray for one another. I pray for you. I hope you'll pray for me. I need this as much as you do. Can we pray for one another as a church this morning? As we, as we prepare to go our own ways and into this week ahead, I, I ask you to pray for each other, that we would love one another as God's word commands us to do, and that we would not be found guilty of speaking evil against one another, but yet that we would encourage and edify and build one another up and encourage and challenge others to obey and believe and honor God's word and honor the truth, that we might be blessed by God and be a blessing to this world in which we live that needs Christ. I hope that's your prayer today. Bow your heads with me, would you? Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh Lord, help us to yield to you. Again and again, we need this reminder because we so quickly forget that you are the lawgiver and you give a a good and precious word, your law. Oh God, help us to love your word. It is life. It frees us from sin and sin's punishment. It looses the bonds of sin in our lives when we obey it and brings your blessing. Not only blessing on our own lives, which is wonderful, but you use us to bless others with words that bring glory to you and honor to you and words that please you. God, I pray, help us to be people who love your word and are willing to yield before it at all times not ignoring it, not looking into it like like as if we're looking into the mirror and going to do nothing. God, we thank you for these timely challenges from your word. We need these. Help us to yield to them today that we might have relationships that bring great glory to you, that we might love our brothers and sisters in Christ and, yes, long to see our brothers and sisters in Christ honoring and glorifying you just as we long to see that in our own lives. God, help us to encourage one another. God, give us wisdom to know when we need to gently correct, gently challenge, but help us. Help us to never be guilty of sinning against you, sinning against others by speaking evil of one another. And Father, we will thank you for your help. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Amen.